Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, February 4th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk, and I'm Justin Klein. And I thank you for joining me today. And whether you are a regular listener or new to the program, we have a serious objective each and every day here on Invest Talk, and that objective is to help you achieve financial freedom. And when you think about it, financial freedom is defined by each person in their own way uh, according to how they want to live their life, how they want to spend each day, how they see fit. And ultimately, we are all working hard to get to the point where we don't have to work so hard. And we want to live and work and, yes, play in a comfort zone, a place where we are assured that our economic circumstances are stable, well-funded, and by simple definition, that is financial freedom. So it means something different for everybody, but our goal is to get you there, wherever that is for you. And today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you get there one step at a time. And that's really what it's about, one step at a time. Everybody wants their own get rich quick solution, right? I If I just do this one thing, I'm gonna to get to where I wanna be, I'm going, you know, five years from now or whatever, I'm going to, be in the situation I want to be in. And the reality is there are multiple steps that you need to take. And it takes time to learn each one of those steps. And no matter where you are, whether you're beginner, intermediate, advanced, maybe close to retirement, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. We can help you in some way. And that's our goal here each and every weekday on Invest Talk. And I hope you will participate in the show by calling with your finance and investment questions. Our anytime listener line is open right now, and I'm taking your calls live at 888 chart That's 888-992-4278. So you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, as you may know, Amazon has been racing Apple and Google for dominance in the smart assistant device space. Uh, and on Thursday, they announced their Echo Dot was the top-selling item on Amazon last year, and this is an area that they've they've really pushed ahead to get ahead of a lot of their competitors, uh, mainly Apple. I think that that's the biggest uh, uh, competitor for Amazon is Apple because Amazon or Apple has such a, a strong mind share, right? Because of such a large install base of iPads and iPhones, uh, etc. And the next UI interface is going to be voice, voice command. And Alexa has really done a great job in taking the lead there. And, and really the Siri side of, of Apple is just lagged, frankly. And either that's uh, being used poorly, uh, right? Poor application of the Siri uh, feature, or just simply poor execution. 
and I think it's more of the latter. So uh, it's really interesting to see that race, and that's something to continue to keep an eye on as we go along. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about financial compensation numbers for CEOs that deliver big growth results year over year. And had a uh, Satya Nadella, he's the head of Microsoft since 2014, saw the company stock price increase 182%, and he earned 25.8 million in total compensation. But that's lower than CEOs of some of the companies with leather, lesser stock growth, right? Lesser value creation. That's really what CEOs are about, right? value creation and i think he's done a great job turned microsoft from a consumer facing company even though they've always been uh you know more b2b right uh focused on the business they always try to compete with apple in the consumer side and what satya nadella did was say no we're not going to do that anymore we're not good at that what are we good at? We're good at building software for businesses. And that just goes to show you how good or how important good management is for the success of a company. Because strategic shift can really pay huge dividends, pun intended, for shareholders. And that's why it's important to align compensation with value creation of some type. Now, I do think maybe companies overemphasize stock movement, right? Because stocks can move based on poor management, right? And just simply being in a good market environment. So I like compensation packages that are linked to more like income, revenue growth, etc. Um, but it just goes to show you how important it is to have good management. We talk about this on Best Talk Academy. You need to look at the numbers and all that. But management is so underrated. And to understand not only the, the previous successes management has had, but the direction they're taking in the, com- in the company. And you need to have an alignment with that and believe that that can be executed in in a big way. And Satya Nadella has definitely done that. And uh, so I use that as an example to show you why it's very, very important for any company to have great management. Now, as you can tell, there's a lot of interesting market news to talk about today. But first, let's grab a question from our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. This is Jonathan calling out of Nevada. I had a quick question. Could you guys recommend any books or podcasts or YouTube videos on options and how to trade them? Thank you. Uh, I don't know of any books per se. Uh, it, I, to, to be frank, uh, I haven't read any. Uh, you know, there are books about cover calls and different strategies, but it's it's not really going to teach you much beyond, beyond uh, I think, the basics, which you need to know what are the Greeks, right? There, there are different Greeks that you need to understand when you're uh, trading options, buying, selling options. Uh, you just have to really understand the strategies, and that's easy to find online. Uh, so I would just go there and, uh, look at those type of, um, you know, lessons that you'll find online. Option alpha is a great 
podcast that I've listened to a few times that really helps you with some tips on how to, uh, what to do and what not to do when it comes to trading options. So when it comes to a particular podcast, that's probably the best one that I've seen out there for option trading. So it's called Option Alpha. Now, our main talking point today is about Amazon, and they expected that its acquisition of Whole Foods would grow its retail business, but it's been a year now since that acquisition, and results are less than anticipated, and we're going to look at this story and what it shows you about the potential perils, not to say the Whole Foods acquisition was so bad, but it definitely wasn't what it was all chalked up to be. And maybe they'll eventually get there and, and maximize the, the potential of that, but we're gonna explore what that looks like for Amazon and how to think about these large acquisitions if you're looking at a particular company to buy or maybe the company you own makes an acquisition like this. So we're gonna look at that. I also have some other topics on the docket today. One is about could Fixing the roads, or say infrastructure spending, save us from the next recession, or at least put that off for a little bit. We're going to talk about what the numbers behind that is and whether or not that's a possibility. Also, first quarter profits for 2019 are now expected to be in the negative. That's right. Negative earnings growth in the first quarter of 2019. Now, I'm not talking about what is being announced today over the last uh, couple weeks, the next few weeks, right? We're in, still in the middle of earnings season, but that's looking back in the fourth quarter of 2018. I'm talking about what analysts are now expecting for this quarter. You know, we're over a month into it. Analysts have been talking to their uh, their, their CFOs, uh, the companies they cover and adjusting their expectations, etc. And that is now negative. So what does that mean? And What does that tell us about the overall market? Then lastly, why should you consolidate your accounts? A lot of people have multiple accounts. You know, they have an old 401k, an IRA here, a a Roth IRA there, a SEP IRA there, a joint account there. You know, there's a lot of people that have multiple accounts spread out. And I'm going to talk about why it makes sense to consolidate those. So that's what's on the dock for me today. That's what I want to talk about. But ultimately, what matters most is what is on your mind. What are you thinking about on today's show? Uh, thinking about buying, thinking about selling that you currently own, or maybe you're looking to short a stock. Short a stock it might be a way to go, maybe an ETF, a particular commodity. There's so much to talk about on today's show. Now, the market was up uh, pretty decent today. The NASDAQ was up about one, little over 1%, S&P up 0.68%, the Dow up 0.7%. The Russell was lagging, only point up 0.18%, so a modest day there. Uh, so a modest update overall for the markets. Continue, continue this bullish run into a dovish Fed uh, and really just dovish central banks globally. Uh, and that's really brought the market back from, I don't want to say the abyss, but certainly a large sell-off uh, that culminated on Christmas Eve. So that's what the market, uh, what happened in the market today. No real major news outside of that. Um, you know, I could talk about Tesla, but 
I'll have someone call in and ask about that. Now, if any of the information discussed on today's program raises further questions in your mind with regards to how market news may affect your portfolio, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at KPP Financial. You can call our Dana Point, California office or send us a message through investtalk.com. Now, anytime listener line never closes. And at the moment, I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. For the market, January was a very good month. And now you're wondering what's ahead for February. Well, you're going to need and want unbiased investing advice. And Justin is here taking your questions live. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I've got a question on H&R Block, HRB as in boy, is their stock symbol. And they're, I'm looking at their price to book, which has a dash in it, which there's no figure in there. I'm looking at their debt, and they're showing their enterprise value at $6 billion, their debt at 5.1 or so. Their price to sales is a little over one. Their EV to EBITDA is like six. Their PE six. All these numbers look good, except for the price to book and their their uh, price to tangible book. Can you explain to me why that is? What's going on there? Because I can't seem to find it. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye bye. Sure. Well, let me start with an explanation on book value. I'll try to do it simply. Book value is simply an, an accounting metric, right? Uh, I'll, I'll, I use a simple example of a building. Okay, a company buys a building for $100 million, okay? And they are going to depreciate that building over so many years, let's say it's 10 years. So they're going to, uh, they're gonna have a depreciation uh, expense on uh, every year of $10 million for the next 10 years. And then after the 10 years, on the book, the value of that building is now zero because they depreciated it all. But is that building really worth zero? No, okay? It's not worth zero, it's worth something still. Uh, So the book value might be zero, but in reality, it's worth a lot more. So that's why book value can be very deceiving. Um, And a lot of companies are going to try to write down the value of assets, they're trying to reduce their tax expense, which uh, ironically, this is H&R Block, which that's what they do for individuals. So I would ignore that because it's not really a a, a real number that you can really uh, bank on. So ignore that, especially for H&R Block. All right. Thanks for the call. And I like H&R Block. Give me a call. I want to hear from you. I'm ready. Take your questions at 888-99-CHART. Twenty nineteen has certainly been interesting for investors so far. Steve and Justin encourage you to make Invest Talk a part of your daily routine. Their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio as you work and plan for your comfortable financial future. Now the phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's taking your questions live. 888-99 chart. 
Let's go to Michael in Tampa. He's looking at BTI, British American Tobacco. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it, Justin, and um, I also have a second part question. Uh, it's above its 20-day and 50-day moving average, and I was just wondering if, if fundamentally and technically it's worth considering. Well, one thing you have to know about kind of all the cigarette makers at the current time is there's a, there's an overhang, there's a bill running through Congress right now uh, that is looking to ban menthol cigarettes, and that is going to affect each uh, cigarette producer uh, in different ways, uh, but that has been a big overhang uh, on the, the sector. Now, it's starting to show life, I'll say that. Uh, it's 52 week low is $30 and 67 cents. And now it's at 35, 17. So it's rallied somewhere about, uh, you know, 17, 18% from its lows yield seven and a half percent, which if you look at its payout ratio, uh, let me look at that real quick. It looks like they can afford it. Uh, they make, uh, they make about $2 a share. Uh, sorry, they're paying out about two pounds per share, let's say that, and they made 18 pounds per share over the preceding 12 months. Now, remember, this is uh, a British company, so that's uh, how it's denominated, but it does look sustainable. Uh, you're down over 50% from 52-week high. It's down huge, uh, but understand that there's a lot of risk still with that running through Congress, if that does get approved, which I don't think ultimately will in its current form, it'll probably be adjusted some way, but I do like it starting to perk up. But I will also say it's not my favorite cigarette producer out there because we recently bought uh, another cigarette producer for some of our managed accounts, but this is not the one that we recently added. Okay, I appreciate that, Justin. And if you have time for my second question, uh, when I look sure. at mutual funds and it provides a total return for, let's say, last year or the mm -hmm. last five years, how do I compare that mm -hmm. when it has an expense ratio? So if the total return is 8% and it has an expense ratio of 1.05, I mean, do I subtract it or that's not fair to look at it like that? I believe when they're quoting performance, I believe they have to do after fees. Frankly, it's it's been so long since I've I've been in the mutual fund space. We we used to use it for clients, uh, but because of you know I set up a TD Ameritrade and various factors, they just don't really make sense anymore. Um, if you're working with a decent amount of assets, I probably wouldn't be messing around with mutual funds. Uh, but I would say I believe I, I don't know this 100%, but I believe any performance that they're quoting is going to be after fees. And that's the same for ETF. Yeah, they're they're going to be treated the same. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it, it would be a mistake then to subtract it. Yeah, it's just you, you go by the that the total return encompasses the fees. Okay. Like I said, like I said, I haven't approached this topic in such a long time. <laughs> My memory escapes me whether, uh, it, you know, what the exact rules are, but I can't imagine just from a regular, knowing how regulators work, that they would allow mutual fund companies to be uh, quoting performance without including fees because it would just be so grossly uh, misleading. So uh, from my recollection, yes, they, any, any performance quote is going to be after fees. Thanks for the call, Mike. 
888-99 chart 888-992-4278 we have about 30 minutes left in the show to get your call in so if you have any questions don't hesitate to reach out now amazon released earnings uh on thursday and they, they did fairly well uh revenues were up about 20 percent year over year Earnings were up 181% year over year, but that is a slowdown in growth from the previous two quarters, which were you know drastically higher, over 1,000% growth. So growth is slowing somewhat, somewhat, and that is one of the reasons why the stock fell. You know, uh, it's another good example of how growth and earnings are all relative. Everything is relative. Everything in life is relative, right? Happiness is relative, uh, and. The market can be more happy or less happy about an earnings report, but that's always relative to what is happened with the company in the past and what they're projecting for the future. Now, one of their big acquisitions was Whole Foods about a year ago, and actually revenue from Whole Foods fell 3% year over year. This is the first quarter where they had a full, you know, full year comp uh, on Whole Foods, and it just shows you that acquisition it hasn't really been a big growth driver for them, both in terms of revenue as well as earnings. So uh, their online sales increased 13%. Their Amazon Web Service revenue grew 45%. And sales of advertising and other service increased 95%. But that was, and it sounds huge, 95%, but that's actually slower growth than previous quarters. So they're, they're doing a pretty... They're doing an okay job executing on, on Whole Foods, but it's not a, a gangbuster acquisition uh, by any stretch of the imagination. It's not getting anyone excited, and that's why you saw Amazon shares uh, drop because growth is slowing. Now, uh, one analyst thinks their revenue is going to increase 20% this year. That's a slowdown from last year, 2018, 2017. Okay, so if that's the case, the shine is going to continue to come off Amazon, even though they have, they're still growing their business and they're still kind of the best in the business. Uh, but I don't think Amazon's a great place to be right now. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call InvestTalk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YChart has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself 
with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning Invest Talk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious, get YCharts. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective. And your decision-making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice, especially if you consult with Steve or Justin. Step up now with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Edgar in San Diego. He's looking at IBM. How you doing, Edgar? I'm fine. Hi, Justin. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I was just down in San Diego over the weekend, uh, and uh, it's been a little wet down here, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'm looking at IBM for two reasons. Uh, number one, that I know that they're getting uh, more and more into uh, cloud computing, and also the second mm -hmm. reason is their dividend. I was wondering what you think of it, and is it a good time to do that? Well, IBM's business for many years has actually been eroded by cloud computing. Now, they did just make a recent acquisition of Red Hat, which is uh, their big step into cloud computing, because computing, they see that it's kind of eaten their lunch uh, on the enterprise side. And they're going to continue to funnel resources, I think, into that and try to compete with uh, the, all the startups and, and, and SaaS companies uh, that are out there. So I think this will continue. The big question is how strong uh, uh, will they be in that space? Are they going to be the leader in that space like they were in the enterprise space before? And frankly, I doubt it. You know, they, they're, they're, they're behind the times. That's why they had to overpay for Red Hat. Uh, and so long term, I still think they're going to have trouble having the same clout in the cloud space as they had previously with big enterprise systems that they had built. So I think it's going to be difficult them for, for them to do that. Now, uh, when it comes to company performance, they're starting to turn around a little bit. Revenues are now growing again, as opposed to declining. I mean, revenues declined from about $106 billion in 2011, almost $107 billion, to $79 billion in 2017. So you could see the steady erosion of revenues. Uh, their margins also steadily declined as well. And thus, cash flow also declined. Operating cash flow went from about twenty billion to about sixteen billion uh, over that time frame. So, profitability was squeezed, and and they're just starting starting to turn it around a little bit. Uh, now, it could be it's likely going to be fits and starts. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the the stock uh, rallied uh, last quarter because. Revenue fell 3%, but that wasn't quite as bad as it was uh, a year ago. Uh, revenue Earnings were down 5%. Once again, not uh, actually a little worse than a year ago. But it just shows that this is a company still in transition. It's not your blue chip name like it had been, right? Because they're, they're not a blue chip company. They're not a stable company. That's what you think with blue chip. And this is not a name that I would connect with stability at this time. This is a, a name that I connect with transition, frankly. 
So if you're looking at the dividend, is it sustainable in the near term? Yeah, I think it is. But long term, there's so much uncertainty with their transition into the cloud that I just don't think it's a great long term buy. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks for the call, Edgar. 888 chart 888 about 20 minutes left in the show. To get your call in, let's talk about profits, right? We're all here to make some profits and invest in companies that hopefully make profits. And what's very important to the market and to your investment thesis is that profits continue to grow. And while we're in the midst of earnings season for results that were really last year, right? The fourth quarter of last year. The market wants to know what's going to happen this year. That's what's most important. And if you are to listen to analysts who tend to get more, shall I say, sober when it comes to analyst or earnings expectations, the closer they are to that particular quarter, like the first quarter, which we're in now, means that those and estimates are going to be probably more accurate than ones you'll see a year from now, right? So profits for S&P 500 companies are expected to decline. Yeah, you heard it. Decline nearly 1% during the first quarter compared to the same quarter last year. That's according to FactSet Research. And this would be the first overall drop in earnings since the second quarter of 2016 when we were kind of in the midst of a, a market correction. Now, one reason why earnings are expected to decline this quarter is because the comps are very difficult. Profits rose more than 20% in the first half of 2018 when compared, uh, and the main reason was they were juiced by lower corporate taxes. And you're not getting that now, right? You're not getting that boost, and I've talked about this. There's not nearly as much fiscal stimulus coming out of Washington as there was last year. And this has a, caused a lot of companies like Stanley Black & Decker, Netflix, Juniper, Valero, Noble Energy, they all slashed their first quarter outlook in recent weeks because they just couldn't keep up with that growth. Now, for the full year, analysts are still expecting 6% growth in 2019, but I can almost guarantee you it's not going to come in at that, right? Because that fourth quarter estimate is likely to come in. That's what the trend over the past decade plus has been. Analysts are always too optimistic the farther out their, their, their models are looking. And as they get closer to that quarter, they start to adjust it. So... A fall in earnings growth. So remember, it's not negative earnings. It's negative earnings growth. I talked about uh, Amazon, right? Where everyone's pricing in a certain level of growth. And even if you grow fairly well, if it's a lower growth rate, the market's going to hit you, right? It's going to adjust the price, the multiple that they're going to be paying for that stock, or in this case, the overall market. So understand that uh, this is likely to be a very bumpy year. You're going to have big drops like in the fourth quarter. You're going to have big rallies like you've seen over the past month. And be prepared for that type of market because that's likely what we're in because as soon as things get better, what's the Fed going to do? It's going to try to raise rates. It's going to 
continue to drain liquidity or just continue with their QT uh, uh, program. And that will likely continue to draw liquidity out of the market. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you are making the right choices with your money in your 401k. And you know, candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study fundamentals and trends and understand mutual funds and their fees and uh, what a, what's the difference between a large cap growth and a small cap value versus a high yield bond fund, unless you know how to do that, it's going to be very difficult for you. So that's where Steve and I can help you at KP Financial. We have a math-based model to help guide you, and we can monitor and advise, and then you take the timely action within your 401k. It's called Active 401k, and you can read more about it at investtalk.com. But right now, I am taking your questions live, 4 to 5 Pacific time. I want to talk with you at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Rob in Orlando. How you doing, Rob? You want to talk about BlackRock? You're looking to buy it, sell it, give it away? What is it? Uh, hi, hi, Justin. My name is Rob. Yeah, I'd like to know what is your opinion about uh, BlackRock stock. You know, I'm interested okay. to buy it. And the particular reason is, you know, maybe once Uber become public and they're going to be owning a lot of share of Uber, do you think it's a good idea to get into the stock at the moment? So you're saying they they currently own a, a lot of Uber? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. Okay. And do you know how much that's worth uh, in relation to uh, the size of BlackRock? Uh, no, actually, I don't know the details. Okay. Yeah, we really need to understand those details. And, and what you have to understand as well is that even if they do own some portion of Uber, which I haven't heard that, so I'm just taking your word on it, uh, I that's priced in, right? The market knows that. It's pretty transparent uh, if you're if you're telling me that, that the market knows that uh, they own Uber. So it's gonna be priced in. So I would definitely not be buying BlackRock based on a catalyst that Uber is gonna go public uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So if that's your reasoning, I absolutely would not be buying BlackRock. Uh, but overall, uh, what do you think about the health of the stock? I mean, because they own a lot of other companies, you know, what do you think mm -hmm. at the moment? 
Yeah. So for everybody else out there, BlackRock manages fixed income, cash, equity, alternative investment products for institutional and individuals. So they're they're an investment management firm, uh, and they they do it for pensions as well as uh, other types of, of institutions. And the big issue is that revenues last quarter were down nine percent, earnings down two percent, and that's why the stock has fallen from almost. $600 a share in early 2018 to a low, 52-week low of $360 a share. So it was down about 40% from its high. It's bounced back a little bit. Uh, so it's probably about, it's a little over 30%, a little under 30% from its high. Uh, you know, valuations, okay. Enterprise value to EBIT is 11. That's not crazy high, but not screaming cheap either. Dividends 3% and it looks fairly covered. So I'm not worried about the dividend, at least in the near term. And they don't have a ton of debt. So I like that. I like the fact that they're fairly debt free, uh, strong cash flows. Um, but, you know, the big question is the recent decline in earnings more of an anomaly because of market conditions uh, in the fourth quarter? Or is this something that they're going to uh, going to be continuing? Uh, and if we're going to a bear market, which we, I believe we still are, then this is a name that is likely going to continue to trend lower with a lot more volatility in the overall market. So it depends on your viewpoint, Rob. Are you bullish on the market or are you bearish? Uh, at the moment, I'm kind of a neutral on the market. So. Okay, then I would be neutral on BlackRock. Uh, if that's what you're, to me, it's the it's it's a very strong market proxy. It's going to go up a lot more than the overall market when things are are, are going uh, good, but it's going to go down a lot more than the market when you're in a bear market. Uh, and that's what you're kind of seeing. So I'm not a fan of BlackRock. And if you're neutral on the market, you know, I wouldn't be that excited about it either. Thanks for the call. Okay, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have 10 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you need to do it ASAP. Let's talk a little bit about government coffers. And I'm not talking about Washington, D.C., but I'm actually talking about states and municipalities and how they could potentially stave off a recession. Now, state and municipalities contributed 0.22 percentage points to annualized growth in the third quarter of last year. And that's the most in two and a half years. And this is according to Renaissance Macro Research and they also expect them to add as much as 0.3 percentage points to growth for all of this year and the first half of 2020. And the main reason is because they're getting a lot of money from sales tax, income tax, and property tax. And most state and local budgets must be balanced. And so that increased revenue is going straight to potential spending. Okay. So U.S. states took in 5.5% more tax revenue from July 2017 through June of last year because of the strength in the economy, uh, uh, capital gains taxes on property and, and stock. And so you're seeing that tax revenue grow about 5.5% year over year, adjusted for inflation. And that's the greatest increase since fiscal 2011. 
So, and 48 out of 50 states had increased revenue. So a lot of them were trying to figure out how to spend it. And that really is about infrastructure. You know, Minnesota's looking at a big rail project that they think they spend, they're, they're planning to spend about $2 billion on. And there are governors that are campaigning on this, spending money on fixing roads and infrastructure. Now, 25%, one in four economists think we're going to have a recession in the next 12 months. It's the highest in more than six years. And two-thirds of economists expect the recession to begin by the end of next year. Now, if that's the case, this is probably going to be a short-term boost in spending. Or tax revenue. Because that's likely going to roll over again. But if they do continue to spend... That nice 0.3% difference in economic growth from infrastructure spending from states and municipalities could stave off a recession going from this year to next year. This is Invest Talk. I want to hear from you at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, and it's hard to believe, but we are already into February. And you're going to need unbiased investing advice. We've got it covered. Justin's here now, taking your questions live. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Nick in Hayward. He's asking about ABV. Yes, sir. Hi, Justin. How are you? Let's, uh, let's dig into ABV. Why are you looking to buy it? Well, it uh, looks like a value play and a pretty good dividend. I want to think, what do you think about it? Well, the dividend is pretty decent, 5.5% dividend yield, which is, which is nice. Its payout ratio, though, is pretty high. Uh, I think that's, that's a little bit of a worry. And I wouldn't say it's cheap. I wouldn't say it's cheap. It's uh, enterprise value to EBITDA is about 20 that worries me a, a little bit. Uh, let me look at enterprise value to revenue is about 4.6. That's uh, definitely on the much cheaper side, especially compared to history uh, of Avi. Um, but you know, I worry about the earnings deceleration. Uh, earnings are up 28% year over year, but that's been a deceleration from uh, pretty much the last four quarters. Revenues are only up 7% year over year. That's the weakest quarter in two years. Uh, and they have a lot of debt. They have a lot of debt on their balance sheet, which uh, worries me a little bit as well. And technically, it just does not look very strong at all and makes me wonder what's you know what's what's up with this uh do you are there patent cliffs what is up with the uh the business that's causing the deceleration in the market to really discount it by 35 percent over the last year yeah so do, do, do you uh, know do you, do you know anything about way to go down Oh, there's definitely more room to go down. I mean, this could uh, get back down to you know sixty, seventy dollars. Uh, relatively, it's very weak, and like I said, it's uh, it's Earth's it's uh, dividend is a little stretched uh, at this time. Now, I'm not 
saying long term it's a bad company, um, but the trends are poor. And I want to know what's happening with the business. I want to really, I, I haven't dug into AbbVie in a while. Uh, so I really want to know. It's a, for everyone else, it's a drug company developed, uh, Humira, pharmaceutical biologic treatments for rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, and Crohn's disease. So it's about a $118 billion company. And they do roughly, what's that? $30 billion, $35 billion annually. So it's uh, it's trading at a decent valuation, uh, and so and the chart's weak. So I would stay away from AbbVie at the time. Keep on your watches. It's a good company, but I want to see their business trends turn around. Let's go to Paul in San Jose. Hey, Justin. You there, Paul? Nice talking yes. to you. Listen to your show. It's fantastic. So I'm kind of Thanks a one-time investor here, but I like GE and I. Can't understand why it's went up so much since uh, de since December, and I wonder if it's a buy, a sell or hold. Well, I still think there's a long way for GE to work its way out of this hole that they've dug themselves into. Now, uh, they settled uh, an issue with the Department of Justice uh, by paying a fine. They are talking about selling off pieces of assets. Uh, I think they actually got a decent price for, for one of their assets recently, and that's going to help them reduce their debt load, and that's really the biggest issue with GE. Uh, Mark caps about $88 billion, but they have roughly... 62-ish billion uh, in debt on their balance sheet. Uh, actually, total long-term debt uh, is 110 billion. So depends how you value their short-term assets, etc. But this is a company that needs to restructure, and it is restructuring. Yeah, there likely will be. This thing isn't going to plow through, uh, you know, the, the 200 moving average, which is around uh, 11, 11.50 or so. It's not going to plow right through that most likely unless there's a clear understanding of them getting right-sizing their balance sheet and getting to a level that is sustainable. Uh, and I don't think that's likely going to happen in the near term. This is going to be uh, a multi-year restructuring of the business, trying to get as most most they can out of the assets that they bought, and many of them they overpaid for. So uh, GE is very, very risky, can, can easily be very risky, even though it's rallied from you know, $7 to $10. It's still a risky name that there's a lot uh, up in the air. So uh, I wouldn't be playing it for much more than long term that you believe they can manage it through. Uh, and in the meantime, you're going to likely to see a lot of whipsaws both up and down. Thanks for the call, Paul. I'm Justin Klein, and this comp completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Have a nice evening, everybody. Steve will be here tomorrow. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461.
Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.